Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Well, I've got uh, a special treat for these guys because they've not seen this before. Some of you have seen it. Um, we're going to show you the video uh, that uh, Josh prepared after the trip to Uganda um, this summer. So um, perhaps you'd like to be able to turn around and look at the screen. And uh, this will give you a little bit of uh, an insight, if you haven't seen it, into what uh, a partnership it was between ourselves at Comchurch, the business community in this town, and with my uh, dear brother and uh, mama uh, here. So, been going to Uganda and Kenya since 2001. This is the um, eighth trip, to, I think, to Uganda. Probably about the 13th trip to, to Kenya. And it was an, perhaps the best one that we've ever done. Um, I would say it was because of the team that I took. The team was uh, multi-talented, multidisciplinary, And although the majority of them hadn't been to Uganda or Kenya before, anywhere in Africa, they just rose to the challenge and um, were prepared to take on all kinds of different uh, tasks. Most of them thought that they were going to bless others when they were there, but all of them discovered that when you do that, that's when you receive such an amazing blessing. For me, one of the highlights of our, our two weeks was going to Kenya to Maru. Um, we met with uh, Joseph. And Joseph is the Chief Fire Officer in Maru County Fire Service, and he's built up this team of um, uh, firefighters. There must be about 15 or 20 of them in the county, and. They're operating these, these fire engines which have been donated by uh, Bedfordshire Fire and Rescue and then paid to send over by Comchurch um, over the last 10 years. And it's incredible. It's the most, probably the most advanced fire service in Kenya outside of Nairobi. So we had our, our first fire engine in 2009. Uh, and actually so far the, the support has been a continuous support all the way from 2009. They have not actually, they have been uh, bringing in new fire engines actually and also for the same, they have been uh, taking me to UK for the training so that I can be able to upgrade my knowledge and also on the same to be able to come back and uh, train my fellow firefighters which uh, we actually have in, the, in our fire service. We are trying to open more fire, more fire substations where we can be able to reach to the community whenever they need us quicker and uh, actually without covering wrong distances. You know, the, the giving of people in Comchurch has really saved lives. Like, you know, Joseph was telling us stories of how um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of houses have been saved. Like, thousands and thousands of pounds worth of property has been saved. You know, babies have been pulled out of pits. That, that you know, that's, that's the giving of people that's allowed that to happen and, and actually the legacy of, of Pastor Doug um, and what he started with Freda Candy, you know, all those years ago. And, you know, that, that, that's, that was amazing for me to see. When we landed on the Saturday morning in uh, Uganda at Entebbe Airport, we went straight to the lakeside and um, Peter and Rose uh, from Rock Ministries had organized uh, for 47 
uh, young people uh, and adults to be baptised in the lake. Um, but the best bit, the icing on the cake, was just that morning, um, Stevie decided to give his life to Jesus and wanted to be baptised uh, along with the 47. So that was awesome. Um, and so for this trip, we raised about 85 bras and different clothes to just donate to all the ladies and some of the kids as well, and it was just really cool to give back. There were two main strands while we were in Uganda. One was the teaching ministry, and we had a chance to meet with um, many different uh, pastors and leaders, and uh, uh, it was great that Sarah, uh, who came along with us, was able to take a, a, a women's only conference. Myself, I was leading in uh, different uh, events and co uh, conferences through the week, both in uh, but also in the outlying regions as well that Peter's involved with. But at the same time, there was this business venture which uh, Stevie and Jack were running, which was the opening of Gents Barbering Uganda. Do you guys have any questions so far? Yeah. What is it? This is the only corner bit that I'm worrying about, first of all, okay? So the, the project started about uh, a week ago. Um, we arrived from Kenya in Uganda. Um, we walked into the shop. Um, now looking at the shop, I could never imagine how it actually is. It's crazy to think that this is now Gents Barbering. So Stevie's been working with the guys uh, for a week. Um, he's had proper intense training uh, course. Um, there's 12 uh, lads and girls that have come out of the course and their standard of cutting is actually it's phenomenal. I can't believe how well they've all actually done. Um, with, in, with regards to the shop, um, all of us guys uh, have literally just been slugging it out all week to make sure we got it done in time. My name is Arnold. I'm so grateful about the whole program. Um, this is the dream come true to me. Um, I've learned a lot. I'm so grateful that Stephen came here. Anyone would want this opportunity, but I'm so happy that I'm one of the people who benefited from this opportunity. Honestly, experience from, from the start to finish has been life-changing. One thing that stands out to me is just how happy everyone is here. And I think that their happiness is so infectious and it makes you just love everything about Uganda. Uh, the people have been absolutely wonderful and welcoming and we have had such a brilliant and uh, fulfilling time here in Africa. Well, going to Africa for the first time was incredibly life-changing. I absolutely love the trip and I will definitely be back next year. So all of this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you guys. Um, that ranges from Gents customers to Comchurch, everyone who's involved in Comchurch. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. Rock Project, amazing. Without all of them guys that have been involved in this, we would not have had this project and it wouldn't have happened. I'm so thankful it has happened. Thank you everyone. Whoa. That is awesome, isn't it? Um, I watch it again. You've only seen it the first time. 
So um, be thinking about that. Because I want you just to, um, just to introduce yourself. So I, I said in the first service that uh, in 2001, I landed for the first time in Africa. It was in Kampala, uh, in the car park, in his wonderful uh, Pujero, I think it was at that time. Uh, Peter picked myself and Richard Brunton up and took us like six hours to Bersheni, I think it was. And uh, I had six hours in the car, exposed to Africa for the first time. It was amazing. And I uh, found this heart connection. And so, as I say, I think uh, Peter is the closest thing that I have to a brother on any other continent. Uh, but it's a weird relationship because Mama Rose is married to Peter uh, yet, although he's my brother, this lady is my mama in Africa. Uh, mama Rose is the pastor. Peter is the bishop. Peter makes the mess, and Mama Rose clears it up. Uh, so, uh, let them introduce themselves for a bit. Hello, my name is Peter Kasozi, coming from Uganda. Uh, so privileged to be here with you. Hello. Um, Rose Kasozi, also coming from Uganda, and uh, my son is here. <laughs> but I also have other five children back home, and uh, lost one two years ago. Yes, that's me. That's you. Uh, and... Uh... Peter has many titles, uh, nicknames. Sometimes he's a bishop, sometimes he's a farmer, sometimes he's a landlord, sometimes uh, he even gets to be a dad sometimes, I think, to uh, sons and daughters. Um, we're going to look at this morning a few scriptures, and um, I have a title for that in a moment, but um, I think what I want to, to ask is, now your reflection just on that video, what was the trip like for you receiving quite a large team in this year uh, into your home and also uh, the technical side of looking after everybody and, and making sure that this new business venture was going to work within your community? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we are so much blessed with the team that came from this place. And we would love to see a bigger number coming next year, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, the team did not uh, bless the community alone, but it also blessed us as a family and also as an individual. It really blessed me. Uh, they started with the baptism, as you saw, and then we were amazed that even when, while we were baptizing there and then, people were seeing what was going on. And some just decided there and then and say, uh, I've not been a Christian. Can I become a Christian now and I also be baptized? So uh, some of them got their lives to Christ there and then. And then we moved on to uh, the community where we come from. And the team did wonders. Uh, we thank God we could saw the hand of God, the move of God uh, among whatever that we are doing in the church. Uh, people were blessed. People were touched. Lives were changed. And we cannot say enough. We managed to see 
Josh leading worship and praise, which was wonderful. We could uh, hear Simon giving a testimony. Simeon. Simeon, which yeah. touched <laughs> which touched many young men, and uh, Sarah uh, spoke in the ladies and the lads' lives. We are not that remain the same. Pastor Scott could train and teach, which was powerful. So we are blessed. The school, the young children, you could see them. They went back home with a small gift. They gave them each one with a dress or a pant or a T-shirt or a white. And they were so happy back home. You could hear from the parents that the children came back with Joy, shouting and praising God because they got something from the school after the team have arrived. So we were so much blessed. Uh, we can't wait to see another team coming soon. Peter, so from the business side, that was the action in the church. But what about the people in the community? Because you are a part of a big community there. Uh, that are not churchgoers, they are businessmen, other things that are going on. What did they make about having a new business suddenly appear? Oh, they were impressed by uh, bringing in a new uh, business opportunity for uh, a few young people. and Some were trained to do the barbering job, and as I speak, already one has found himself a job in the city. And uh, uh, the the boys, the, the young men who came, they have been so, so, so uh, grateful. Yeah. Praise God. Excellent mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Now, there's been some photographs. This is the uh, school, um, Jitetika School, and uh, I believe, Mama, you are the headmistress. Is that right? Yes. How many children do you have in the primary school, roughly? Now, f over 400. Over 400, yeah. And they dance, they sing, uh, their assemblies... I remember, I think it was uh, either Jack or Stevie, couldn't believe that you danced and sung them back into their classes. They, they loved that, yeah. Mm. Um, going on, this, there was a picture, I just saw briefly up there, of uh, a clinic, something that's being built. Um, can you just say a little bit about that, Peter? This is actually not in the middle of town, is it? It's, it's a few miles away from town. What, what's there? What, 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 how has that grown? What has happened? What's your vision for that particular area? That is called Basika, is it? Yeah, Basika. Uh, the idea is to bring uh, medical services to a community which would probably go more than seven miles one direction, more than 12 miles another side to try to find uh, a pharmacy. And uh, it's going to be... Uh, Actually, it is already being built on the same plot of land as the school. That means all the children that come to that section of the school will have access to medical help. And uh, I didn't say this in the first service, but I, I wanted to share something that really touched me. Um, you have a son called Roy, and he has married a wonderful lady called Caitlin from Scotland. Mm. And Caitlin's dad was a great supporter of the school. Mm. And unfortunately, Caitlin's dad was struck down by cancer. And uh, a little while, um, whilst he was struggling with that illness, he had a dream. And, and in the dream, Jesus said, I'm going to heal you, but through this illness, uh, I'm going to bless that community that you love greatly. 
And uh, the family believed that he was going to be physically healed. But within about a month, he died. And it was a time of a great deal of doubt and grief for that family in Scotland, Caitlin and Roy, of course, and indeed affected your family. But the interesting thing is, a few months on from that, the company that he worked for, the direct, he was a director of the company, came to them and said, but there's all this money that has now come out that is not needed to replace uh, that man in, in his work. And we would like to put it into this community. So that clinic that you see being built there, and it's bigger than that, and the work that's going on there, uh, that will be opened in April. On the 6th of April, intend to open it. 6th of April is going to be open. It's going to provide a pharmacy, not just for the children, but for that local community, which is about to grow hugely. And you can always talk to Peter about the vision he has for that. But it, it happened because a seed fell to the ground and died. And uh, the medical professional that will initially be perhaps a nurse, maybe it will grow to being a doctor in that position, will be paid for for the first year because a seed fell to the ground and died. So he is in fact with the Lord Jesus. He is fully healed, but at the same time, that work is growing. So um, that's something very special to us because we have a history in this church. Those that have given their lives and that this foundation in this church is because there are those that gave themselves in obedience and God is blessed. Um, it's kind of where I want to look at now, because I have a, a title uh, that was given to me. I've seen that somewhere before, but it, it's co-op, the idea of a co-op. A co-op, apparently, like a co-op bank, uh, you get shares in it, you go and put your money in, but you're also a kind of, a, a, you're responsible, aren't you? You get a sense of, I, I recently had a conversation at work recently where somebody was telling me I should work and do more and everything else, and I said, well, I don't have shares in this company. You know, I don't, I, you get paid, I paid an hour and I work as hard as I can for the hours, but people didn't quite understand what I was talking about. But God has been talking to me over the last few days, and just using that lovely symbol there, it's just reminded me that, you know, we don't just come along here. We have shares in what we're doing. We're not the principal shareholder, but we are those that have uh, an investment. Okay? And if you don't have an investment in this, why on earth are you here? Because somebody twisted your arm? Well, we'll see. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so the idea is that the Bible, I'm going to give you four scriptures, and we're going to talk about those scriptures and apply them to Uganda and Dunstable, and maybe to you, maybe to me. So the first one we're going to look at, uh, I think it's going to appear on the screen, is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. So I'll read it from the screen, uh, and it says this. What, after all, is Apollos? By the way, Apollos was a guy in the church. He was a leader in the church, okay? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, that's Paul, and Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. Okay, carry on. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You 
are God's building. And he goes on to talk about foundations and everything else, but we're not going to look at that today. What I want to look at that is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that means you are a co-worker with God. Okay? And the problem is, and I've seen it even within the church, is that people like to follow their hero, or they like to follow their policy, or they like to follow what they think is right. And so in a church, sometimes the work doesn't get done because they're going, well, I follow the teachings of, or I do this, or they might come to this church, but they love the certain speaker on internet, on the YouTube, and so they listen to what they say, but when the pastor of this church says something, well, they just decide to go somewhere else. They have no share in the work, yeah? And Paul's combating it. And, you know, yesterday we celebrated 25 years of Living Hope Ministries, which I've traveled out unto, and Peter has been, and Rose have been apart for like 20 or plus 24 years. I've been there for about 19 or so years with them. And there was one man, he's 70 years old in a few weeks' time, Richard Brunton. He was on stage a little while ago. And uh, the thing is, it's not Richard Brunton Ministries. It's not that he is the one that everybody follows. He makes relationships and friendships and humble, but he is not his ministry. It's a living hope ministry. It belongs to God. This is Com Church. This is not... Julian and Sarah's church. It's not even Doug and Helena's church. It is Com Church, which stands for these things that are on our walls. I was trying to explain to our Ugandan visitors today. We're about, we're about communication. We're about commission. I don't know what's happened to our compassion. Maybe we've lost our compassion somewhere. Oh, there it is at the back. There, I can see the compassion is at the back. There, okay. But it's about a focus on the mission and the message which is from Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about now, sometimes when we come to your country, so I've been coming, what, eight, nine times, something like that. Uh, other people come and visit Rock Ministries. Okay. Peter, I'm going to ask you a hard question. How do you feel? Uh, when is it a good time? When is it a good time when people have come? What have helped you? But I also want to ask you the hard one. When is it just as well that people don't bother? Some people want to go to Uganda. Okay. What, is there ever a time when you say to yourself, well, you really could have just not come? What, what's the difficult times from having people work in your field? <laughs> it's easier with the first question. <laughs> but the second one is uh, quite complicated. But uh, when, like you said, that uh, uh, people, one sows. Yes, sows. One reaps. Waters. Waters, yeah. Later on, there is raping. Yes. But um, as people interact, it is ordinarily unnatural to develop affections so long as those do not lock out other people's uh, uh, opportunities and uh, call to work together with uh, somebody. So each time the team comes, there is something they can do which I would probably have not been able to do. So that's where I like it, that uh, somebody sows and somebody waters and somebody uh, uh, takes in the harvest. So we always have a role one can play. 
that's the way God has done it. And uh, he's not going to assign anybody to be God. He's going to remain God and give us uh, different uh, parts that we can uh, achieve. Uh, you said a tricky one. Uh, yeah, now you're trying to avoid it. But yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I would uh, probably uh, avoid it, uh, but uh, uh, I'll okay. go straight to it and say, uh, the only way probably where somebody comes from another culture and comes to be part of what is going on is probably where I know a shortcut and he prefers a longer journey. <laughs> that means in approach, in terms of approach. Where when you come and you have a, a Western mentality of how this thing can be done, but the practical part of it is not really, really very, very much available. And then uh, there is a, a different way it could be done, more practical, uh, probably even uh, uh, cheaper, <laughs> yes. but you would still be inclined to the one which you know. I think not only Scott, but anybody who goes to another culture, uh, watch out on that. Thank you for that. And thank you for your honesty. Mm -hmm. um, from this, the scripture, this particular scripture, Paul is warning us that the work won't get done unless we stop following individuals or following our own culture or following our own belief in ourselves as the ministry for something, but to work in cooperation because it's God's work. He's the one that, uh, many of you, who would say they've got green fingers that, that can grow stuff all the time, you know? Yeah, um, not so much. But um, we have a windowsill in our house where if you put anything that's basically dying, if you put it on the windowsill, it'll probably grow, okay? Um, but even, you know, that windowsill doesn't make it grow. God makes it grow. You know, no ministry, any particular ministry, is the be-all and end-all. And we might think we have a better idea on this or better idea on that, but we need to be working in cooperative partnership where we both have a share in the harvest. First day in Uganda this time, 47 people, as it turned out, 48 people were baptized. Did I, was I there crying with those people when they were going through the difficult times? No. Was I there when, when they needed teaching about what baptism was? No, I, did, I wasn't. I was just there, landed. Is my ministry to be the great ministry that brings people in through baptism? No. God brought people to that point, but with a pastor and a bishop that cared for them and readied them for that. So the process is there. And there's a, there's a second scripture that relates to this, and it's um, uh, John 4. Verse 34, 42, I don't think it's going to appear, so you might need a, a Bible or you can follow on as I read it in this light. Excellent. There we are. This is Jesus speaking. He's just met with uh, the woman at the well. The disciples have come back. The woman's gone off uh, to, to, to face her, fa her family and the community. There's a crowd of people coming. And Jesus says this, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is Jesus speaking about his Father God. And it's not Jesus has come to finish his work, not finish Jesus' work. He's come to finish the Father's work. That's his bread and butter, if you like. This is where he gets his strength, is to do the will of, of God, his Father. And he does it until the work that God has is done, yeah? 
And then he goes on, he says, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and others reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So Jesus is trying to deceive to teach those he's already trained for a year or more. He's, he's, he's worked with these guys. These are the professionals that are learning from the master. And yet he's saying, what you're about to do is reap to gather in what somebody has already worked for. Who is that somebody? Well, it was Jesus at the well, yes. But it was the woman. The woman who had to go back to her community that had scorned her because of her background, because she'd been married so many times, that she was living in a, a relationship which was a, a wrong relationship as far as the community was. She had to go out to the well, to the furthest points of the village, in the middle of the heat of the day, when nobody else was bothering to get the water, because she could not face her community. And now Jesus has just told her everything she needed to know about herself. She told her, has offered her salvation, he's offered her true worship, and so what does she do? She is trained, she is changed by the message and the encounter with Jesus, and then she faces her shame, she faces her community. She doesn't go to Uganda, she goes to a village. And it's in the village there that she says to them, look, come and meet the man who told me everything about my life. You know, if I've been there or you've been there and you knew that lady or whatever, you might have said, well, I know everything about your life, I could have told you. But they go to follow this woman out of the village to meet Jesus. And a crowd of them come out. And then the disciples are there. And they are the ones that over the next three days, as Jesus teaches this crowd, who are going to have to pick up the pieces, who are going to put the pieces into the, into the boat. As we were, that uh, wonderful song about, I might feel as though I've lost myself, but you know exactly where I am. And you put the pieces back together. I felt that was prophetic today. I've never heard that song before, but I believe that somebody's life is in pieces at the moment. They don't know who they are. They haven't got a clue. They don't know why they're here. And God is speaking to you right now, and he's saying, I will put the pieces of your life back together. I will show you who you really are. Amen. If you haven't noticed, I'd lost my notes. I don't know where they are. They're somewhere. Uh, but I have the four scriptures, so we're all right. So, Peter and Rose, so what's it like uh, being there, welcoming people in, and seeing them reap, seeing them bringing the harvest, doing the teaching, having the pastors respond to them? How do you feel about that? Because you've been there every day. How do you feel about other people coming in? What do you feel about somebody saying a more simpler message than you have taught? It's the same thing you said about grace, and now then they respond, but they haven't responded to you yet. You asked how I feel. How do you feel? I feel joy. You feel joy? To see them responding in a positive way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not about Rose, is it? No. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about seeing people go from death to life, isn't it? Yeah. So the reaper and the sower 
they rejoice together. Sure. Peter, so this question, it says, Jesus says to them, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at the harvest. As you look at Uganda, as you look at Chitetika, do you see a harvest? What kind of a harvest do you see? Where, where are the people that are now ready to receive Jesus, ready to have eternal life? Uh, we have the experience of receiving people from all walks of life. We reach out to children, a majority of uh, very difficult background, and uh, we find them very uh, much surrounded by various areas of need. But each time they come and they hear the word of God, somewhere, somehow, the word of God influences their lives. And each time the word of God influences anybody's life, I believe a harvest is taken. Uh, I call it a harvest. Uh, they might be uh, people who need prayer in a given area, people who have need in different ways. But for me, that has always been a harvest to see people uh, asking for prayer, allowing God to change their lives, give them joy, change their frowns into smiles. Each time I see anything like that, I feel so, so joyful. My background is not very different from them, but uh, that is just history. Uh, God has changed perspective of life, and uh, each time that happens, I feel I've scored another goal. <laughs> Score. Excellent. And I'd ask us, you know, we don't need to cross 2,000 miles to find someone. Where, where in Dunstable is the harvest? Because Jesus says there is a harvest. If there are people living who are about to be dying... If they are in the process of going from life, death, life, death, whatever, there is a harvest, isn't there? At the bottom of my garden, there's a pear tree. I said this in the morning in service, and we sit in our dining room. We look at a pear tree, which is in somebody else's garden. And um, uh, my wife, uh, she seems to notice the tree every day uh, because she says the same thing. She says, look at the pears on that tree. They are so big. They are so big. And we say this every year. We've lived there 10 years. The pears are really big. And um, the lady in the other house, she doesn't like pears, obviously, because she just leaves them getting big on the tree and eventually they fall off because that's the nature of things, isn't it? Everything grows and then it dies. And if it falls to the ground and dies, then it becomes rotten and just seeps into the soil and it's no good to anybody or anything. There is no purpose in that pear, is there? But... There is a crop every single moment of every single day. There will be some people in, in our community who suddenly realize that doing it the way you do it won't work anymore. That the thing you rely on, a friend said a few years, uh, weeks ago, he said, yes, Christianity is a crutch, but what's yours? Because my crutch leads me to healing. What does your crutch do? I said that to my friend at work. My crutch is my vodka. I said, oh, that's fine. How does that make you feel? Well, in the morning, not so good. I go, is it working for you? There are people who are realizing that the political state of this country is not the answer. 
that the health service is not the answer. The doctor's tablets are not the answer. Buying the stuff which you can get illegally is not the answer. None of those things are the answer because they don't repair, they don't put the pieces back together, do they? They don't. And so people are ready and ripe to hear the good news. But if they don't hear the news, how are they going to respond? They're not. They're just going to fall to the ground and die and find that they've missed the opportunity and live in eternity with regret because they never got to know the God who loves them so much. So where is the harvest? Perhaps it's sitting here. Perhaps it is sitting here. Um, There's a... A scripture that we're going just to focus on the end here. And it is uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, sorry, got for the last one. 2 Corinthians, sorry. Aha, uh-huh. 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, it, it just says this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, I'll read it to you. Fine thing, we take your glasses off to read. There we go. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors... That's amazing. We're not just co-workers, we're ambassadors. A co-worker has a share in the co-op, which is, but the ambassador is the kingdom in a nation. The ambassador of Iraq, the ambassador of France, they are the nation of France in England. Yes? We are the nation of heaven, the kingdom of heaven in this place. So we're ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf. This is interesting. I said in the first service, I have people in in my work and they go, Jesus Christ. And I go, yes. I'm afraid he's not here at the moment, but you've got his answering service. (laughs) You know? What did you want to say? Well, I was just, I was like, or they go, God. And I go, yes. I I can talk to him if you like. I'm his representative. (laughs) You know? Or they go, my God. And I go, well, that's not me. I'm sorry. I'm not your God. Um, But if you'd like to talk to another one, I am available. And it's a bit of a joke, but it's true. Uh, Who else is going to be God in Costa on the M01? You know? Because there's a lot of gods out there, and there's some of them represented in where I work. But Jesus Christ is the real one. He's the one that answers. And if he's going to answer, he's going to answer through me or you. Yeah? Yeah. And so that we're his ambassadors. And it, he says, then it goes on, he goes, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Because Christ would do it, but he went to the cross. He's gone home, so he's left us to do it. So here we are, the answering service of God, to give this message. Be reconciled to God. God is available. God is ready. God has made a way. Here's the message. God has made him to be no sin, to be sin for you, for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message. The brokenness of your life, that which separates you from God, Jesus dealt with that. All the bad things we said, I don't know, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. I don't know how much it cost. It cost everything. It cost God everything he had. It cost God his best so that he could take my place. And then he goes on in verse six, uh, chapter 6, he says, as God's fellow workers. We're not just simply workers with one another. Peter, Rose, and myself, we are fellow workers this morning. Mm. But we are not it. God is doing his work. Right. Mark, at the end of Mark, it says, they did the work, and then God worked with them. 
God worked with them. So God is here, and he is working with us. And he says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Oh, that is perhaps the saddest words that you can read. God's grace in vain. There is nothing greater than the grace of God. There is nothing more valuable. There's nothing more powerful. It is the free gift of life. And to receive it in vain means that your vanity says you will not receive it today, but you might do tomorrow. It says, I'm going to shop at Marks and Spencer's this week, not Aldi. It's the same kind of, I don't know if I like this or not. I don't know whether I want this or not. I don't understand this or not. Some of you were brought here as children. Some of you were brought here as partners or parents or whatever. And you come every week. And every week we hear the good news of Jesus Christ offered to you freely. You don't need to die eternally separate from God. And in vain, you let that one go by because it's too much of an embarrassment because you haven't worked it out yet. And there's always next week if I bother to come. Here he says this. In the day of my favor, I heard you. He hears you. He hears you crying out. He hears you wanting to make sense of your life. There is a sense to your life, and the sense to your life is in Jesus Christ. It's nowhere else. The pieces won't fit together without him. He's like the four corners. You can't do a jigsaw puzzle without the four corners, can you? In the day of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of, my, of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I don't know what happened in the past. I don't know how many times you've heard me speak. I don't know how many times you've heard the worship led by Sarah. I don't know how many times you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it was as a child, as an adult. I don't know whether you run a business in the town or you just wandered in. It doesn't matter. Today is the day of salvation. And I'm not going to apologize. Peter will not apologize. Rose would not apologize. The senior leadership of this church would not apologize to tell you that tomorrow is not certain. Because if you treat it in vain, then you might find that in vanity you spend eternity without the God of glory. But today is the God of favor. Today is the moment. And if you let anything get in between you and that, then it's his grace in vain. It was there, but you never took it. You were big and ripe on the tree, but like all of us, you dropped off. The Lord caught me and kept me and made my life fruitful as he will make your life fruitful. Peter, I want to ask you this question because I believe it's true. If you had 60 seconds when everybody was listening to you and when you knew that the Holy Spirit would apply what you had to say to somebody's life right here, right now, what would you say? Uh, was it Gamaria who was asking, do you now want to persuade me? I didn't read any response to that. But very often we've gone out and we've spoken to the people and they ask, do you now want to persuade me? 
and sometimes you feel like denying. But this morning, I want to believe, yes, I want to persuade you because of the terror of the day to come. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have come to the way and you are walking the way, I want to persuade you to continue to walk the narrow way. Thank you. We are co-workers together. I want to ask you, Com Church, do you have a share in this work? Are you committed to the work of the kingdom of God? Not to Com Church, but to the kingdom of, the, kingdom of God of which Com Church has devoted itself in its DNA to seeing the gospel on this high street, to seeing people not being left on the tree to fall, to seeing their lives end up in the bin because somebody wasn't prepared to tell them about the truth that it's not about you, it's about Jesus Christ. And he's provided a way. You don't need to carry your sin, you don't need to carry your shame any longer, because Jesus has already done that upon a cross. But until you accept that, until you surrender yourself, then you're on your own, and you're hanging there. And you can hang around all you like, but one day you will fall. It is destined for everybody to do that. And I can't sugarcoat it. All I can say is now is a day of favour. Now is a day of salvation. Now is a day when you will have a chance, Com Church, in the restaurants, at home, with your family members that don't know, to somehow say something or be something of the good news to them so that they will suddenly get the message that today I don't have to carry on the way I did. I can believe, I can trust, I can find new life and purpose, and then I've got eternal life with Him. Hallelujah. What a saint. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.